You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beltway Beef. This is Ashley Willits, and we are recording live from the 2022 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show. Uh, This morning, we kicked off bright and early with a trilateral meeting with folks from Mexico and Canada, two of our incredible trade partners and uh, folks that NCBA has really good working relationships with. And so this morning, we want to talk a little bit about trade and the importance of solid trade policy and trade between um, countries with imports and exports and making sure we're taking full advantage of uh, global markets and access to those. So uh, joining me today is Kent Backus, who's the Senior Director of International Trade and Market Access. And then from the Mexican Embassy, we have Luis Martinez. And from the Canadian Embassy, Jazem Aras. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Kim, we'll start with you. Can you just give us a quick overview on NCBA's policy on trade and and why we think it's so important for um, cattle producers across the country? So when we look at trade policy, we're looking for opportunities to maximize the total value of our cattle. Uh, you know, both uh, in the in the markets, but but also as beef products. Uh, part of that is making sure that we can sell our products to the highest bidder everywhere in the world. And while 85% of what we sell is going to be to American consumers in our domestic market where we dominate, uh, we do have to find a way to, uh, to to sell the rest of those cuts. And you know, traditionally, Canada and Mexico have been very good markets for us, but in recent years, we've seen tremendous growth in our exports to Asian markets. And so we really try to focus on on keeping good uh, lines of trade with our North American trade partners, whether it's through live cattle or beef. Uh, But we're also trying to look at other opportunities that are out there. So uh, when we look at trade policy, it's about removing tariff and non-tariff barriers, taking the subjectivity out of trade policy, making it much more objective so that we can you know, foster that entrepreneurial spirit and, and encourage our people to be creative in how we sell our products into where we sell, sell our products. Uh, so uh, that's the very high-level overview of our trade policy. Can you talk a little bit about what um, export numbers looked like this year? There's some some things to celebrate there, right, Kent? Absolutely. When you look at uh, total U.S. beef exports, uh, we will exceed $10 billion, which is just a phenomenal record. If you think of 10 years ago, when we were close to, you know, three and four billion, and now we're, we're exceeding 10, that, you know, when you break that down, that's about $400 per head that's attributed solely to exports. And that is because we're able to, to maximize on that growing demand for, for beef overseas, especially in Asia, but it also is a result of the fact that, you know, the, not only do we have a good product, but we have good trade policy that allows us to, uh, you know, to, to not be held back by, you know, enormously high tariffs that we've seen in some of these markets before. Uh, but we've also been able to to keep trade science based, and by removing those non-tariff trade barriers, like BSE restrictions, hormone hormone restrictions, other things like that. That's allowed us to, to really sell not only to more Americans, but to more customers overseas. 
Well, great. And, and now turning it to you, Luis, and, and Gizem, can you talk about the importance of trade in each of your countries and the trade relationships that you have as it relates to beef? Um, we'll start with you, Gizem. <laughs> Great. Um, I think both. I mean, Canada is very um, is an export uh, is a trading nation. One in five jobs in Canada depend on trade. On, on trade. So, in agriculture, this is no different. Including in the beef sector, we are very export reliant. We're a population of 36 million, a tenth of the size of the U.S. So, the majority of our production, which vast lands, so the majority of our production is exported. So, having predictable trade rules is key. Um, I think we saw that, including you know in, during the USMCA uh, negotiations. Um, the importance, it was already, NAFTA already provided a duty-free kind of um, uh, trading relationship, but it was looking uh, and all of the kind of the issues where we could further expand our trade were in the non-tariff barriers, barriers like Kent was mentioning. So I think um, trade and uh, looking at eliminating those t- uh, trade barriers is, is key for us and ensuring a predictable trading environment um, remains key. Okay. And uh, Luis? Yeah, thank you so much for, for this kind invitation. Uh, certainly for Mexico, uh, trade is very important. Uh, Mexico, uh, as you may know, has trade agreements with more than 44, 40 countries in the world, reaching out to almost 1 billion consumers. So certainly trade is an important, not only for delivering uh, the creation of jobs, but to become a, a reliable and safe uh, partner to, all, this, to this, all these countries where we have trade with obviously the most important are USMCA trading partners, Canada and the United States, where probably 80, 70 to 80% of our, of our exports are um, destined to. Uh, uh, beef and cattle are very important, uh, that probably the, the cattle um, trade comes all the way from the 1800s, so we have a long history there where we also try to step up on, on having this harmonized or at least recognize the equivalence of safety in these matters. So certainly trade is it's a very important for our economy and for the, the, uh, for the creation of jobs and sustainability of many aspects in the country. And earlier I mentioned how, you know, we all have a great working relationship with each other. And Kent, I cannot count on, you know, one hand how many times I've walked into your office and you've been on the phone with someone in a different country in a totally different time zone uh, talking about the importance of trade and really working on building those relationships. So, um, you know, if all of you could just talk about the, the relationship you have and the things that you work on together, but then also some of the challenges that are related with international trade and, and doing business in that way. Sure. And I'll, I'll, I'll start it off. I think if you want to look at the value of, of international relationships and why NCBA puts such emphasis on, on building these relationships, not only with our customers, but with our competitors, uh, it's because of, you know, we, we need to be able to communicate. When problems arise, we need to be able to troubleshoot them. And with trade, there's a lot of moving parts. There's always a human element that's involved where you may have a dispute at the border or there may be customs issues. And look, we are we are a very integrated North American economy. And over the last several decades, that's, that's, that's grown even stronger. It's made us very competitive. It's also made us very efficient. And when you have uh, hiccups in the supply chains or you have, you know, little disruptions, then it creates problems for everyone. I think you can look at everything that we had to face with COVID-19, the restrictions 
and, and travel across the borders, but also, uh, you know, the, a lot of threats to border closures, to, you know, shutting down different ports of entry uh, in both Canada and Mexico. Uh, it was important for us uh, to work together to find ways to, to, to make sure that any issues were resolved as quickly as possible so that commerce was not impeded, so that customers would have access to uh, to all of our products, and I know that I, I spent you know many hours on the phone with both you know, Kasim and Luis uh, doing that exact thing, and you know hopefully we never have to go back to to those days again. But I think having the value uh, of, of building those kind of relationships and being able to communicate and to uh, to share accurate and timely information prevented a lot of bad things from happening. Uh, I, I cannot underscore that enough. Now, it doesn't mean that we're always going to agree on things. We, we definitely see things differently from time to time, but we are able to communicate and to work together. And that's what being good neighbors is all about. It's what being good trade partners is all about. And that's why you know, NCBA values those relationships with our trade partners. Well, I, I certainly agree with Kent, uh, what just, he just mentioned. And just to complement on that, obviously, in our case, in agriculture, it's a very sensitive sector, it's a very sensitive industry to our countries. That is why, especially uh, between our, the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, we always have a special envoy at the embassies. We have an office dedicated to agriculture in order to facilitate those conversations, those connections, that communication between uh, the authorities, associations, and even all the way from Congress. Part of our work as well is to, to disseminate the interpretation of many issues. So, so that is what probably Izem and myself, and probably the U.S. that are in Mexico or in Canada, are trying to change that interpretation to many aspects in the relationship in trade. But, but I would just like to add, to, uh, not only what, what happens in situations at the border or, or, or supply chains, but uh, as I go back as agriculture, a very sensitive sector, we rely also on other aspects that we don't really manage. And that is weather, whether it brings diseases or whether it brings floodings or brings droughts. So that's another aspect of another challenge that we also face in our relationship with trade, especially when consumers rely on our products, on our safest products. So, so that is part of our job to always have this communication and see what also we can do, what alternatives can we find out. COVID definitely, I think, uh, showed kind of the, some of the, the challenges and the vulnerabilities in our supply chains. And I think what we found, I think, especially working with, with Kent on this during COVID, was to make sure we were hearing what was happening. And if there was an issue, we immediately were able to touch base or try to find out, you know, what was happening and try to resolve it as much as possible. And I think that, that worked out great. I think our during COVID, uh, our trade flows continued. Um, in fact, it even grew during COVID in, in 2020 or 2019. If you, if you look at our agriculture trade numbers with the U.S. Um, I think part of that also, there was a lot of work that was going on uh, behind the scenes as well between our, our, our officials, uh, making sure all of the regulations that came up, you know, the essential worker definitions were, were aligned as much as possible. Any requirements or regulations that were out there were aligned to ensure that we were able to overcome COVID. And in fact, we were able to ensure that, you know, food, uh, a safe uh, food supply was uh, available to all of the citizens of all of our countries. So I think it was a great success, and I, I do think it was a great partnership that we had with, with NCBA on this as well. You know, I also want to say that we work very closely with NCBA on, you know, promoting uh, 
trade, uh, you know, com uh, international trade um, uh, obligations uh, internationally. So that's a great partnership as well that we have, especially being so uh, export oriented. So this morning, uh, we had folks get together for the trilateral meeting, and we had producers from uh, Mexico, Canada, and the United States all in the room. Can you just give a recap on some of the top things that those folks talked about um, from a producer perspective? We've talked a lot from kind of a, a policy embassy perspective this morning, but um, talking about what those folks who are on the ground every day said. Yeah, I've, I mean, these trilateral meetings that we have with both the Canadian Cattlemen's Association and our counterparts in Mexico, CNOG, uh, we have these uh, at least two or three times a year, uh, in addition to many virtual meetings, just to, to share information and sometimes to uh, sometimes just to, to talk about some of the issues that we're that we're facing. Uh, this morning, uh, you know, we really focused on talking about policy priorities of you know what producers are facing in each country. Uh, and in the United States, obviously, you know, uh, cattle markets are still going to be a big focus, but also uh, labor issues. And as we as we, you know, recover and as, as we start to see, uh, you know, more solutions come forward to address supply chain concerns, making sure that labor is, is addressed, uh, but also uh, just making sure that you know, nothing comes forward that's going to impede uh, our business plans. Uh, so you know, from the U.S. perspective, we, we, we definitely covered those issues. I think we saw a lot of that from Canada as well. Uh, you know, there's uh, very, uh, very similar issues with, with labor shortages, but also with weather impacted uh, production and, and how that happened. With, with Mexico, we saw that too. I mean, the fact that uh, you have some parts of the country that are recovering from drought and other parts uh, that, are, that are entering drought, and uh, that's, that's reflected all over North America. Uh, we all talk about sustainability. We talk about what that means, about how we as industry can work with government uh, to, to try to have you know, some, some objectivity in those terms, because we all know that consumers are looking at, at that and how important it is. Um, and we also talked about labeling issues. Uh, you know, one of the biggest issues between our countries, uh, that where we actually have had to fight it out in the WTO, was, was on country of origin labeling. So you know, that's, uh, that's always an important issue to discuss. Uh, I think you know, there are concerns about some of the ideas coming from Congress that uh, are not, uh, they have not shown to be trade compliant, They've shown to, to, to risk a potential trade war. And so, you know, as producers, we were talking about uh, what that would mean, how that could potentially impact us. As NCBA, we're, we're talking about real solutions to, uh, to provide product differentiation for American, uh, American beef in the U.S. market. Uh, part of that is through working with USDA to find voluntary uh, trade compliant uh, solutions to product of USA. And, uh, you know, those are those are important conversations that we need to have. Uh, again, we don't always agree on everything, but we do share information. I think one thing we, we can all unite behind is the fact that, that we don't want another trade war. We don't want to risk, uh, you know, the $1 billion of retaliatory tariffs against U.S. agriculture over, uh, you know, some, some congressional proposals. Uh, so I think moving forward, we're going to try to find ways to, uh, to work together uh, to address similar supply chain issues, uh, but to also just make sure that we can all continue to be successful. Uh, because you know, even though we are competitors, we're also allies. Exactly. And, and Kent, you certainly gave a really good overview of what 
NCBA is working on for the next year in regard to trade. But Luis, I'd love to hear your perspective on what some of your top priorities are for the next year as, as you look ahead. Uh, thank you. Yeah, cer certainly. Uh, I, I just want to uh, give an example of how integrated is this industry that we have these committees built by the by the private entities. I mean, by the producers by themselves. It's not a government-driven uh, relationship in this case. So that's the, a perfect example of how business to business is drawn in this integration and complementary relationship between our countries. So certainly, what's what's coming in the next year? Mentioned, uh, Ken just mentioned uh, their concerns of how can some are bringing back. Uh, situations of labeling that were already um, uh, resolved at the international arena and the WTO. We don't want to bring it back. We, all, we obviously were concerned that Mexican uh, products or, or cannot be discriminated. Uh, we are living in a very integrated, and I, and I would, would like to underline integrated because this sector in particular is much integrated, much more than any other sectors uh, in our relationship in agriculture. So we want to make sure that we are not discriminated, we are treated fairly equally, and we have a fair market access to the US and to Canada as well. Great, and Gizem? Um, yes, yeah, so I think I'll start off with, with MCOL. So uh, thanks, Kent, for, for bringing that up. I think that's an issue that we are following very closely. We firmly oppose any mandatory country of origin labeling that will be put out there. You know, we appreciate the work with NCBA in pro ensuring that everything is WTO compliant in this regard. Um, I think, as uh, as mentioned, both Canada and Mexico retain their retaliatory rights under this WTO case, which was litigated for years. For, in Canada's case, it's, it's around one billion in retaliation rights, and we still retain these rights should the U.S. bring back mandatory quote. So that is, I think, uh, something we wanted to ensure. I think there's a lot of other labeling issues going on, and we're following closely what's happening because of that integrated nature of our of our uh, cattle and, uh, and and beef markets, livestock and, and, and meat markets. As uh, Luis was mentioning, uh, we're so integrated that you know uh, the. The animals and the product crosses the border a number of times before it, it, it ends up in the table of, of the consumer. So, yeah, one and one other thing that we that we learned because we were sharing some economic data in today's meeting is uh, the fact that you know live cattle exports from Mexico are, are trending down, but live cattle imports from the United States uh, into Mexico have been increasing steadily. We're seeing the same thing in Canada as well. In Canada, I believe this year may be the maybe the first time where we are actually exporting as many live cattle as what we're importing, and I think that just it speaks to uh, kind of the strength of some of our trade policies. The fact that you know as Americans we can market our cattle in three countries uh, and we can sell our we sell our beef products in, in all three countries. Uh, so you know those are just some of the issues that we talk about. Uh, again, it's making sure that we have regular communication and that. Uh, when we find areas where we have differences, that we're able to, to talk about them and to try to find, uh, you know, some solutions. Uh, and then also when we find ways to, to work together, uh, that we're able to do that. And, you know, that really kind of pivots towards the sustainability conversation because for all three of our countries, you know, we feel very, very strongly about our standards and about our ability to meet these sustainability goals that so many consumers want. And so uh, that's been a, this has been a good opportunity for us to, to kind of compare notes and to share scientific information 
and also to, to kind of you know set the record straight when need to. Well, I think what this conversation has proven this morning, along with the trilateral meeting and along with just the continued working relationship that you all have with each other, is that we are stronger together. And when we can work together as allies, as trade partners, um, producers from each country benefit from that. So I cannot thank you enough for being on the podcast this morning and being here at our convention. Uh, Thank you so much for being here, and we look forward to continued work with you all. Thank you. No, thank you. Thanks to NCBA. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. 